Do we have untapped alien DNA that will activate when humans start living in space? F**k yeah. Is fire a type of magic? F**k yeah. Answers to these questions and more on this episode of This Paranormal Life! Oh, welcome back to This Paranormal Life. This is the weekly podcast where every week we dissect a different paranormal tale, case, or claim and get to the bottom of whether it is truly paranormal or not. You're joined by myself, Kit Greer, this guy across from me, Rory Pars. How are you doing today, Rory? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I'm Like every week, I'm excited to dive into the world of the paranormal. Deep dive off the high board. Ass first, cannonball straight into that paranormal pool. Were I you can't wait. trained to go ass first? Ass first. That's the way you should go. It's ass first, questions later. <laughs> it's nature's cushions, all right? Don't even look if there's children nearby. Don't even double check that you're to see if you're in the deep end. Just go ass first. Don't even check to make sure there's water in the pool. Of course. Even if that thing's abandoned, ass first from the high board. If I see anything that looks in passing glance like a diving board, I will leap off it ass first. 100% scaffolding in the street i will climb to the top of that building and leap it's funny you mention that because we will be doing a little diving today in fact a little deep diving today right off the bat today's investigation comes courtesy of nicholas javan o'rourke thanks for writing into this paranormal life podcast at gmail.com nicholas thanks nicholas appreciate it so today we journey to uncharted territory somewhere we've never been before on the podcast the baltic sea I can just, I'm sorry to interrupt. I can just feel it. This is going to be our best episode yet. Really? I really think so. Really think I just, so? there's an energy in the room today. Nice. I think this is going to be our best one yet. I, I love the belief, brother. Let's, yeah. let's try and ride that wave. Yeah. All right. Keep let's do it. Focused. Okay. I mean, yeah, like I'm always focused, but that's focused. fine. Okay. Yeah. Don't put too much pressure on me, bro. Just read the page, though. People don't like it when you dilly dally. Don't, don't, don't get your, into the Don't throw on your knees because it's getting right. me kind of antsy and i'm just you're doing it more i just i just said stop and you're still doing it well now i'm freaking you've never drummed before now i'm freaking out now i'm fidgety don't freak out it's not gonna be the best podcast ever if we freak out i feel i can feel the listeners dropping out you're, right now you're as we sweating speak. you're sweating we i'm can, sweating we edit the podcast we can cut any of it we should f-ing cut this thing because i'm okay I'm, we will i'm freaking out dude man. breathe <sighs> use that paper bag over there <sighs> should we conclude no, <laughs> this is the start of the podcast. Oh, God. Okay. What is Calm it. All right. Let's just try and get through let's the start of the here. story. I promise you it's going to be a good episode. Do you think it's still good? Yeah. All right. L- listen, it's, the, it's, it's, it's okay All so right. far. Let's try and bring it up to a good. Let's keep that energy up. That's right. We're in the Baltic Sea off the coast of Sweden. This is absolute Viking territory. Huge stretches of water going all the way from Germany to St. Petersburg in Russia and beyond. It's said that so many ancient and historic ships have wrecked in the Baltic Sea that there may be as many as 100,000 stuck under the water. Wow. And because ice from surrounding countries, all those kind of snowy countries in Scandinavia and beyond, mm. they melt and run off into the Baltic Sea. So the sea has um, a kind of curiously low amount of salt, which means that it's perfect for preserving anything that might still be down there. It's 2011 and divers off the coast of Sweden are on the hunt. They're searching hundreds of feet down in the icy pitch black waters with only their electronic instruments to guide them. As they dive further and further, they're counting down their distance to the seabed. 400 meters, 340 meters, 280 meters, 240 meters, 210 meters. They're really going down there. 
Yet right as they hit 200 meters above the seabed, everything goes offline. Radar, comms, everything goes out like a light. As you can imagine, the team are terrified, but they regain their composure and they pull back a short distance where the electronics come back online. What the hell just happened? How did all of our equipment just go down? Had they found exactly what they were looking for? Okay, tell the team to do a scan of this area. Over. When the dive team resurfaced, and I haven't mentioned this so far, but this team was headed up by Peter Lindbergh and Dennis Osberg. And what they saw when they did a sonar scan of the seabed would change the course of their lives forever. My initial reaction when the circle turned up on the monitor was, hey guys, here we have a UFO. I got ghost bumps all over my body. So I've never ever seen anything like that. Oh my goodness. And Rory, just so we can recreate uh, what happened to them that day, I'm going to show you exactly what they saw on sonar. Oh, okay, so this is... I'm not entirely sure what this is. It looks like someone carved in stone a small version of the Millennium Falcon. Rory's words, not mine, folks. Rory's (laughs) words, not mine. It's very hard to tell. What we're looking at here is an image from sonar, so it's black and white. It's very low resolution. I'm not getting a lot from, from this image in particular. I feel that. So I'm sure everyone knows what sonar is. Basically, they have a couple of different ways of scanning the ocean floor. From what I understand, they have kind of very precise devices that can do kind of minuscule detail. But generally, what they use for scanning the seabed is sonar. It can cover quite a large area. This is when they bounce sound waves off the bottom of the ocean floor. It bounces back and the time between it being emitted and received again tells them the distance from the ocean floor. So this gives them a kind of 2D map of the ocean floor. So I suppose a totally flat surface will just look gray uh, yeah. here. Uh, but what we're seeing is essentially a visual representation of the outline of some structure on the seafloor here. And as Rory says, it does look remarkably <laughs> like a Millennium Falcon, I have to say. Worryingly so. I mean, I don't also don't know the scale of this. So whether or not a child dropped his Millennium Falcon toy uh, <laughs> into the ocean after a cruise... Or whether this is an enormous craft, uh, it's a little hard to tell. Or whether there, there is a Wookiee and indeed Han pounding on the glass uh, <laughs> of the cockpit, that would t- give us a bit more information. Exactly. But that's a great point. They saw this and immediately they asked themselves, how big is this? Because if you're right, if this is a few feet across, this may or may not be important. But they checked the scale and this thing is 180 foot across. Good it's lord. massive. And crucially... They also spotted what appeared to be a tail in the seabed stretching out behind the object as if it slid across the seabed to get there. After making this discovery, they turned and said to each other, Remember I said to all the crew members that be quiet about this. Don't say anything. I think that's good. It's quite sensible. Yeah, because I guess if you're the people who want the information to be free, you don't want to tell the government before they shut it down. Hell yeah. But also, if you're the government, you don't want to tell people (laughs) about what you found anyway. So it's hard to know which side they're necessarily on. Yeah, we do not know if they are government or civilian. Yeah, which is why as soon as we find this thing... I'm pulling my gun. I'm pulling my revolver on the whole operation. I got two dirty Harrys pointed at each scientist. Pointed, pointed at my right-hand man and my left-hand man. That's also what I call the guns, confusingly. 
And sure, one in my own mouth, because I don't even trust myself at this point. I look that scientist dead in the eye, the man I've known for years, and I say, tell me something only a f***ing narc would know. He's like, you want me to rat out myself if I am an FBI agent? Bam! Too slow. Too slow, motherfucker. <laughs> you start turning on your own shipmates. Yeah. You're turning to your first mate going, you'd love to know about this, wouldn't you, you CIA looking bastard? And he's like... I found it and I just showed you. There's, there's no logic to this whatsoever. Too slow. The other mate's like, that wasn't too slow. He gave an immediate explanation. Harpoon him through the wall. Like we shouldn't have let him bring the harpoon on board. We were very suspicious from the get as to why he wanted to bring so many ocean weapons onto a peaceful fishing trip. Yeah, a scientist shouldn't get into the research submarine, but before they close the latch, say to his crewmen, Whatever happens on the submarine stays on the submarine. He goes to lower it. Someone blocks his hand. No, no, no. I, I want to make sure that when we're going down there, we all know that's not what's going to happen. Oh, I just mean, you know, like fun, haha, fun stuff like it's a, Las it's Vegas. It's a scientific voyage, so it's not going to be that fun. Okay. And the whole point of going down, because you said what happens on the submarine sure. stays on the submarine. Well, we can, we can do the science, but we don't have to tell anyone about the science. Well, there's not there's not a lot of point in going down there to hunt for, sh- for shit, unfound shit, if we're not going to tell anyone afterwards. Look, all I want to do... <laughs> Your grip tightens on the harpoon. ...is find some undiscovered shit and harpoon it. Get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. So they decided to keep it to themselves, just try and knuckle down uh, on the data that they collected from the sonar, from the different uh, detection devices, try and work out what was happening. But after pretty much weeks of staring at these images, they still had no f***ing idea what they were looking at and immediately had to get help. And at this point in the story, I was personally curious about who this team were. After all, who is even looking for something like this in the first place, let alone has the time and money to invest into a deep sea project? Yeah, because this doesn't seem like something you just stumble across. No. this They went to this place and searched for this object, it seems like. They call themselves Ocean X Team. Very cool. The X presumably stands for Extreme or Explore, but a very cool name either way. And they apparently, according to them, have been part of a number of big underwater missions to explore wrecks and found notoriety in 1997 when they dove into a shipwreck and found multiple bottles of champagne which had been trapped on the ocean floor for over 100 years. These champagne bottles were perfectly preserved and were sold at Christie's auction and are said to be worth about 20k each today. Oh my god. This is like the underwater version of the Galactic 12. This Hell is the Aquatic yeah. 12 yes. right here we're dealing with, guys. Because this is what we've talked about on the show before. You know, when you're a treasure hunter, whether it's land, sea, or space, all you need is one big score to make everyone <laughs> eat their words and you never have to work another day in your goddamn life. You know, yep. if I took sail tomorrow, gave everyone two big old middle fingers, two big old finger dogs. Two dirty Harrys pointed in the air, firing wildly. And I said, I'm going to go find some treasure. I'm probably not going to find any treasure. Probably not. But all I need is one big score. And I come back with 
Well, let's face it, I'd probably come back with a couple of barnacles and a sunburn. Of course. But if I came back with a bottle of sea champagne, I wouldn't know whether to chug it or sell it. It doesn't even need to be sea champagne. If you ride back into port, Captain Jack Sparrow style, your boat sinking <laughs> as you float back as in. Talk. But with a glass of champagne in the other hand... Everyone's going to be like, hey, he had a pretty good time. Yeah. Things went fine. He actually didn't. I mean, he lost the boat, which I think was Granted, his dad's. Worth way the, more than the champagne. Which looked like was just a regular bottle of champagne he drank to survive and filled with seawater to bring back to shore. Because now that I'm looking at it, he's clearly blind. <laughs> Can't see what's going on. He's gone gray. I got home by following the North Star as the sun. You've been staring at the sun for days. You got home by being dragged back to shore by the lifeguards. Thought it was Poseidon herself. Her name's Susan. She's been a lifeguard for 13 years now. Right. Pursusan. (laughs) But what about the tempting siren with her call? That was a walrus that you made out with 30 feet from the shore. Not far at all. (laughs) You've been in the harbor for three weeks. You barely went to sea. I think you just wanted to f*** a walrus. Ah, she slaps hard, but she means well. (laughs) It was hard not to fall for such firm tusks. But you're totally right. Whether land, sea, air, I think that's the, I think that's the army's uh, slogan. But if you have a big win in any one of those categories, it's a success. You're going to have notoriety. For reference, here is a picture of uh, Peter Lindbergh from Ocean X Team. They've got cool branded diving suits. Wow. Okay. So this is way more recent than I thought it was. What year did you say this was? So they found the champagne in 1997. Uh, this story takes place in 2011. Oh my God. Okay. So wait, because I was looking at the radar picture and I think in my head, I see old fuzzy black and white. <laughs> right, picture. right, right. Jurassic times. What yeah. Are... I mean, the picture you just showed me, it looks like, wait, is that a Photoshop? It doesn't look like he's actually there. Yeah, that's like a promotional video kind of still. Yeah, that's not what I was expecting at all. <laughs> I was expecting like a faded expedition picture or something. No, this is all super recent. Yeah. Okay, okay. So basically, uh, this big success, uh, finding the champagne and auctioning it for um, very high prices, gave them the ability and funding to do more unusual missions from then on. And for once... The press was really picking up on this story from the sonar. The Daily Mail and other highly legitimate news sources broke the story in 2012, basically claiming they had found the Millennium Falcon itself at the bottom of the ocean. No. And it really was worldwide. These guys made a documentary about this whole mission and they show some of the news coverage and it was crazy. They were getting like, their website was receiving like a quarter million uh, hits a day. They were getting like tens of thousands of messages a day, like Russia Today, all sorts of world stations were covering this. Buckle up, Star Wars nerds. You're going to like this one. What can only be described as the wreckage of a crashed spaceship. It just exploded. We kind of locked up the Pandora box. They came across something unusual. So is it really an The only problem was the scientific community were not very on board with what Ocean X and the media were speculating. Instead, they claimed that this was, in all likelihood, some sort of natural rock formation. Of course... Ocean X hit back and said, what about the square shapes, the hard lines, the circular shapes? Uh, There's a bit that apparently looks like a staircase. The, The tail as well that you mentioned. Exactly, the tail. So now, with the world watching, Ocean X had to defend themselves and get to the bottom of this, literally, 
to work out if what they found was paranormal or not. So they put together another deep sea mission with a team of divers. The Aquatic 12. Except this time, they managed to reach the site of this mysterious underwater UFO. And once there, they successfully collected samples to bring back to the lab. And at this point, the samples were taken to Stockholm University, where one professor of geology, Volker Bruscher, analyzed their sample. Volker announced that he was surprised to find that the sample was a large black rock that on closer investigation appeared to be volcanic in origin. He speculated that it may have been formed during the Ice Age and may have been shaped by glaciers surrounding the Baltic Sea, carving up the sea floor. Although Bruchert didn't rule out that the rock formation could be covering up something artificial, especially if the artificial object was old too. I love the way that they dove down to prove to everyone that it was in fact an alien craft, picked up a rock, brought the rock to the top of the ocean, made a conscious decision to send that rock to a lab. Oh yeah. Because I feel like if I found, just went down there and it was all rocks, I'm not bringing anything back up. Right. I might just stay down there, see how long I can wait it out. Hopefully everything's blown over by the time I get back up to shore. Because I I assume they were doubling down pretty hard. They were like, well, you know, I'm a scientist and I believe that, uh, I actually don't think that it was a rock formation. Well, I've seen the scans, Mr. Scientist. And I know a goddamn spaceship when I see one, you son of a bitch. And I will bet my children's lives that when I come back up from the great abyss, I will have a radar from space, a laser from the fucking moon. Okay, any one of those things would be fine. A button from the desk okay the laser from the moon is fine and i will come back and you know what what i'm gonna put it on your grave what i'm gonna you're gonna be are you gonna kill me (laughs) you're you're you're, when by the time i get back up there okay it's gonna be you what i come get the evidence what i come back with is gonna make your heart stop okay Right, so, Sir. You're, so you're not threatening me. That's probably good. Anyway, get ready to eat your words. Okay. <sighs> Dives down. Someone's like, he forgot his tank. <laughs> Caught immediately in one of the um, the beer can <laughs> plastic wrappings around his neck. How? Those are for... The fish get caught in those. <laughs> Science bitch, throw me a line here. <laughs> With your weak little arms. Yeah, it had to be an awkward moment when the first divers came up from the ocean's uh, surface, just burst through the water, and everyone's crowded around the boat to see what they've got. They're like, (laughs) we've got it, everyone. Is he holding a rock? That's a rock, right? I've got it. Can you see? It's magnificent. What kind of alien technology? There's literal (laughs) barnacles on that rock. So, needless to say, the media 180'd on this story, claiming the whole thing was debunked, that Ocean X team were losers, and the whole thing was a scam. And of course, at this point, Ocean X team have zero cash left to finance another dive. Of course. But they do maintain that another dive and more research is needed to fully understand what's going on down there which is why they've made a documentary about the whole thing. And I believe are currently in the middle of making a TV show about this case also to try and build up some more interest in exploring this site. Because I watched uh, this documentary and that's one of the things they they talk about is 
despite you know having some success having some funding having some money it's so incredibly expensive to do a dive like that just this small uh, research vessel with a kind of small crew and a few rovers and different sonar devices i think they said costs 20,000 euro a day which ironically is the same price as a one bottle of one of their champagne <laughs> bottles so i think uh this mo this research trip we talked about where they recovered the um rocks from the bottom of the sea that cost about a hundred grand yeah to do um so you can kind of understand why they aren't going down there every weekend it's probably a bit like you know when a film director said i forget which film director says it but it's like i do one for them and then one for me yeah. So it's kind of like, I'll do one blockbuster that makes all the cash. Yeah. And then I direct one movie that I want to make that, sure, won't deliver maybe the goods and won't make that much money, but it's what I want to do. Yeah. So I feel like these guys, Ocean X, they need to do one for them. They need to, like, go for a sure thing. Go to the Titanic or something, you know? Pick right. up some more balls of champagne. Yeah. The nine to five. Get a couple bucks. And then one for them. Go back to your rock. Pick up a couple more rocks for all I care. <laughs> Have a blast. Have to pick up as many rocks as you want. The the king of doing the one for them, one for himself is, of course, James Cameron. Yeah. I think we've talked about it before, but <laughs> James Cameron uh, will make, say, Avatar, one of the highest grossing movies of all time. Uh, the highest grossing movie of all time. Uh, still. Apologies. And then his next project will be uh, Hunting for Atlantis uh, for National Geographic. So I got to clap that one out. Yeah. He's really... Uh, Flying the flag for the paranormal nation. Uh, yeah, he. I think isn't he? He'll then go do an action movie, and then one of his other projects was, I think, diving further to the ocean, further into the ocean than anyone had ever dove before. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, pretty cool. I mean, it's sad that there's that kind of money for films and not actual scientific <laughs> investigation. Yeah, eh. it's a weird. Yeah, it's a weird combo where if you want to get important scientific work done you've got to have a scientific mind but also the mind that creates avatar yeah you've got to be a brilliant filmmaker and a scientist it's kind of like wasn't it interstellar that mm. had uh to date the most accurate depiction of a black hole right ever done because it took like so x amount of computers and graphics cards to like even render this insane image yeah that of course no one's going to give that money to a scientist, but they'll give it to Matthew McConaughey and Christopher Nolan. <laughs> For it to look dope. Yeah, which is so screen. sad. I think NASA need to be funding more expeditions with Matthew McConaughey. NASA need to uh, wake the fuck up because James Cameron actually approached NASA saying, can I put, I want to make a movie about space. Can I put 3D cameras on your next like NASA probe? And I think they agreed to it. Um, <laughs> in general yeah and then i think as kind of timing and budget restrictions were tighter closer to the time they had to renege on it so it didn't happen oh. but he did want to make a high definition 3d movie of like flying through space that would be incredible would have been dope as hell i love the idea of nasa like going to the american like the people who give out the budgets it's like we want to go to mars and they're like off matthew mcconaughey wants to go to mars well <laughs> shit brother how much does he need <laughs> why didn't you say matthew how's that son of a bitch doing like i'm starting to see the problem with electing only texans to run nasa <laughs> yeah it's like matthew mcconaughey no needs to go to mars well i just got one question does he need a co-pilot <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
There's a lot of expensive equipment upstairs. Stop Please firing. stop firing. You killed a scientist up there. The, wa- the, the ceilings aren't thick. But no matter what Ocean X teams say about what is still down there, we have to evaluate this case today based solely on the evidence that's in front of us. Sadly, we don't get to base conclusions on evidence that it's the, at the bottom of the ocean undiscovered. Right. So let's deep dive on some of the possible paranormal explanations for what's happening here. Kaploosh. Now, of course, the absolute most delicious explanation for what's happening is the Millennium Falcon is underwater. And we do know from Star Wars that like Luke Skywalker, spaceships do get stuck underwater and can be lifted out with the force. But the fact that the geologist said that this thing is made of literal rocks, or at least covered up by rock, means it's probably not a typical UFO. But does that mean it's not an ancient alien craft? The dates provided by the geologist, i.e. somewhere in the late ice age, around 10,000 years ago plus, do line up with theories we've talked about in the past on this podcast about an ancient advanced civilization on Earth wiped out by the Younger Dryas comet impact. This is a potential explanation for Atlantis as well as ancient advanced technologies. Is it possible that there is an ancient craft buried under some Ice Age rock down there? Ah, okay, okay, so we're not looking at an ancient craft made from rock, We're looking at an ancient craft that through time has been encased in rock. Yeah. Although, I don't want to throw out a rock craft either. (laughs) I I almost insist that you do. (laughs) Before we progress any further. (laughs) I will Uh, entertain a lot of bullshit on the podcast, but there I draw the line. (laughs) Not a Fred (laughs) Flintstone-esque hovering craft. Where about two dozen alien legs come out of the bottom and run into space? Um, that's a very interesting hypothesis. You know, because because we have under there's underwater volcanoes. Yep. And um, some uh different ways in which an object at the bottom of the ocean could become encased in rock. Um, but then that wouldn't. I guess that if th- there's a trail behind the craft, I guess the idea is that it crashed into the ocean, slid along the floor. And then was encased in the rock at Over some time, point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Rather than it just being a meteor that crashed into the ocean and then skid along the floor. Oh, interesting. You're, so you're saying this could just be of extraterrestrial origin, but just inert, like a meteor or asteroid. Absolutely, yeah. Hmm. Interesting hypothesis. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW. 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Kit, when we bottle up our emotions, it can start to affect us negatively. Sometimes it's important that we get stuff off our chest. Tell me about it. I found a UFO in the forest and now this thing is attached to my chest. Jesus, that's an alien. Mm -hmm. All right, I was speaking metaphorically about dealing with emotions and talking about our feelings by using services like BetterHelp. I don't need to talk about my feelings. This thing can read my mind. Therapy can be a great way to set boundaries and become the best version of yourself. With BetterHelp, you can get matched with a licensed therapist that suits your needs. It's online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. We're saying they can get things off my chest, like uh, Zonktar here? Don't give it a name. Maybe me and Zonktar can sign up for BetterHelp together. Give it a shot, and whatever it is, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Paranormal Life today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Paranormal Life. And I know the idea of an ancient craft buried under Ice Age rock is a very spicy hot take, but believe it or not, I have an even hotter hot take. A nuclear take, if you will. Wind the clock back to World War II. Whoa! At this time, the Baltic Sea created a natural boundary between the allied Soviet Union, neutral Scandinavia, and the Axis powers of the Third Reich. Meaning, the Baltic Sea became a hotspot of military activity vying to control the Baltic states. And whichever side had the most rock planes <laughs> ruled the ocean. <laughs> No! <laughs> no! I said no to the rock planes! Why did you pretend to not have thought of that and then <laughs> lead with that entire explanation? <laughs> if you wanted to talk about the rock planes, you didn't need to throw us back to World War II. I just thought it was a more rocky time. It's believed that the Nazis constructed underwater structures to counter the intelligence of the Allied Navy and potentially communication scrambling devices. Could this explain Ocean X team's comms going down right as they approach the alien, I mean, unidentified structure? Ah, so we're talking about like an underwater base here. Yeah, and this is a little less paranormal, but just more of a general mystery. It's kind of neat to think that there could be some forgotten World War II relics of pretty advanced technology still scrambling communications to this day. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure I went on the line and said that the Nazis had a base we're in Antarctica. Or under the earth, yeah. Also, yeah, in the Earth, <laughs> and probably on the Moon, which I think is a spaceship. So, oh, what you think the Moon? The is Moon spaceship? is a spaceship. I don't brother. remember that. That's come to light in my recent investigations. Oh. We'll get onto that later. Okay. But so, I mean, a bottom of the ocean doesn't seem too weird to me. Yeah, it's it's the tip of the iceberg to what we've talked about, and it doesn't end there. People have debated for a long time whether Nazi forces had a flying saucer research program, aka the Foo Fighters. These were UFOs seen by Allied pilots during wartime, believed to be experimental crafts. Is it possible that one of these Foo Fighters is at the bottom of the ocean? Possibly. Could it have been covered up in rocks in the last 70 years? Probably not. Granted. Oh yeah, that's a good point. There have to be a lot of coincidences. And I guess one of the last things I wanted to talk about in relation to this is another case that has parallels with the case of the Baltic Sea anomalies. This is come to be known as uh, something we've talked about before and this is the yonaguni monument off the coast of japan now this is an underwater huge stone site it's actually not very far underneath the water i think it's like 25 meters underneath you can easily dive down wow uh, off the coast of japan 
and it has stumped researchers for years. And people are very, very conflicted over what it means. And if you haven't seen it before, I'm going to show it to you right now. Oh my gosh. So this is um, kind of alternative historian Graham Hancock diving off the coast of Yonaguni. And imagine you come across this. It's like, okay, here we have basically some uh, pillars underwater they're incredibly straight and precise. Yeah. But you kind of think this isn't outside the realms of possibility of being a natural formation. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it could have been caused by natural, uh, I don't know, natural elements. But things heat up as we get a little further into the structure. Oh, yeah. Okay. We're seeing a lot of very hard, straight edges, corners at this point where, you know, this thing is... I don't understand what happens under the ocean. I think I've made that abundantly clear. Yeah. But this does not look like it was made by Mother Nature's tender hands. To describe what we're looking at here is the kind of staircase effect uh, at these underwater ruins. There's a series of, I mean, these are amazingly rectangular uh, pillars. Yeah. All laying on their side, kind of creating a staircase effect up out of the ocean. This doesn't look too deep either, as you said. Like, it looks like everything's being lit by sunlight. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's not, like, pitch black at all. I think, like I said, about 25 meters down. Yeah. You could easily scuba dive down there. Wow. So if we have any listeners in Yonaguni, uh, you know where to go. You could do some first-hand research for us. But this is, I present this because this is a really similar example of an underwater feature, a genuine underwater feature uh, made of rock that's basically... You have you have one community saying that this is absolutely natural rock formation and then another community saying this does not show any signs of kind of the randomness of natural design. This yeah. is much more a man-made looking. And I think the Millennium Falcon in the Baltic Sea is an extreme example of that. But there are other examples like this around the world. The one in Japan, because it looks a little bit more ancient or megalithic, obviously lends itself you could really imagine a civilization 10,000 years ago making something like that. Yeah. The Millennium Falcon one, though, is a little bit more confusing. Well, it's a lot deeper down for a start and isolated. But I, th I think one thing I maybe neglected to mention is that I can't speak exactly for that site, but if we go back far enough in time, you know, you're talking 10,000 to 20,000 years ago, the sea level would have been drastically different to the point where you could easily walk from scotland up to finland and and other parts of scandinavia right, right the sea right. level is much lower so it is possible like with our kind of claims to atlantis or here at yonaguni that these absolutely would have been above sea level of course going back far enough so rory i've thrown a few different paranormal explanations as well as the natural explanations at you are these natural formations are they paranormal in origin we may never know but it's up to us to decide on behalf of the scientific community, on behalf of the cowards that won't say <laughs> yay or nay. First off, I just want to say bravo. I think the um, the evidence for this week's case was fantastic. Folks, thank you. Thank you. we've got audio recordings. We've got pictures. We, I've seen video footage of underwater exploration. Top tier, top tier evidence that, you know, we should bring ourselves to this standard every week, you know, because I appreciate it. Makes it a lot more colorful and it edges me towards a stronger decision. Now is, that decision, decision? <laughs> now, is that decision what we want or not? That's right. It edges you closer to that golden yes we're all holding out for every week. We all dream off. We all see behind our eyes when we close our eyes at night. When they dove down there to yeah. get evidence, I would have probably preferred they come up empty-handed than come back up with a rock. 
Because what, what did the scientists say? It just had extremely high levels of iron they, or zinc or No, no, they said it was well they said it was like a volcanic uh volcanic rock. Okay, that's really not what you want to hear because i think like because isn't it like meteorites that have a lot of iron or zinc or something like that often yeah they can be can have metals that's more in line with what you would want from something that came from outer space yeah because volcanic rock it comes from the ground folks it it comes from the earth it's from here yeah it's the last kind of rock that you Might probably come from would a space want. volcano oh, that's entirely true maybe they run on lava Maybe every spaceship is just a volcano that was freed from the Earth's core and just took off like a rocket. It's kind of rocket fuel. It it is in a weird way. But unfortunately, because they haven't been able to get the funding to return back to that spot, all we're left with is this strange radar scan and a rock. And is that enough? Should that be enough to convince me that something is paranormal? Weirdly, it's more than we've had for other things. Oh, yeah. But I know what you mean. So, someone pointed out in the um, the This Paranormal Life uh, Facebook secret society, I think we said that the highest level of paranormal evidence was a man's word. Oh, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> Which I think is definitely a step below, below an actual rock from a paranormal site. Um, and that's not getting into the pyramid of truth that is upheld by hearsay, chatter, yes. word of mouth. Talk, word of mouth. Uh, rumors, I think, was in there right. somewhere as well. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a difficult one. I think, you know, until they they take that second expedition, when they get that funding and, and go down there with today's technology, I think until then, I don't know if I could confidently say that this is paranormal right there with you and i think we should give it the benefit of the doubt for today clap this one out with uh, a couple of yeses and and just oh, you know no. they can just oh you misread they that. can just you misread that after buddy. the fact they I, can mail us the evidence and we'll just go cool we already give it the thumbs up no worries brother good work okay okay you're confident enough that ocean x are gonna prove that it's paranormal in their next expedition i think if our Patreon starts popping off like their bottles of champagne, we can finance. We funded ourselves. Yeah, listen up, folks. We need to ramp up the Patreon monthly payments we so we can get K. Matthew McConaughey to the bottom of the ocean. Okay, if we're getting Matthew, we might need a bit more than 100k. I think his retainer is about half a mil. Probably is. Probably is. But we get Cameron on board. Worth it. You get you get Matthew. Oh, so we need both. Okay, we're going to we need, need a few both. mil. We're going to need a few mil, folks. A couple mil. Maybe, you know what, let's get Tom Holland in there as well. Fuck it. We need that youthful vibe. We're basically just building our own Aquatic 12 at this point. Yeah. Sam Jackson, I think, would do good down there as well. He's kind of level-headed. level-headed. I, I can see him in a submarine. Yeah, for sure. Just send us the money first, folks, on uh, Patreon, and we'll assemble the team. You can trust us to do that. And uh, you know what? We'll even toss a little rock your way. As compensation. So you know you're only going to find rock. <laughs> you'll you'll get something in the range between uh, a rock and a space coin. Okay. What's yeah. a space coin? A coin from f***ing space. Right. In the name, Yeah, idiots. Right. Or it could be a bottle of sea champagne. It could be could be a goddamn hook from a pirate's hand. Okay. That's the thing about the ocean. That? You don't know what's down there. You just got to go down there with an open mind and a shit ton of oxygen and have a great old time. <laughs> a shit ton of money. Because a fish like to barter. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I've obviously put a lot of time into this. I've put a lot of emotion into this, frankly. I'm very on board with uh, Peter and Dennis are doing down there. Yeah, I think they've done some great research. I love their commitment. 
uh, to the cause. They've done a lot of great yeah. dives. They've had some successes, some failures, granted. Who hasn't? But I know what you mean. We're so close to cinching this as finding, I mean, Jesus Christ, has that ever been done before? A underwater UFO piece of evidence. That would be something else. But unfortunately, they did kind of shoot their shot. They got the chance. They got the 100 Gs to go down there and they swam back up with a rock. They blew it. Which would imply, with an opportunity that massive, and they, them returning with a rock, that there was nothing else to grab down there. I mean, it's supposed to be 180 foot across. Like, yeah. They had a lot to choose from. I mean, devil's advocate, they're just divers. They can't dig down, get too far underneath any rock surface. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Like I say, uh, the Wookiee and Han might still be down there, but they just didn't come... They did kind of come back empty-handed when it comes to paranormal solutions. Yeah. So I think, you know, this was done recently. Their movie came out recently. Their TV show is on the way. I'll probably link the documentary in the Facebook group because I know some people will want to see it. Good shout. If that TV show comes out, if we if they can find the funding to go down there again, more than willing to look at this again. Before now, we can't in good conscience uh, give this a double yes. I agree. Which means that it's a double no for now. Unfortunately, Christ damn it. alive. We're on a, a hot streak of ends. Just can't catch a break around these parts. Unbelievable. But that makes that yes all the sweeter. It Do- really does. Doesn't it just? If you are a member of Ocean X team, uh, get in touch. Let us know what you think about your discovery. This paranormal life podcast at gmail.com. As always, you can hit us up on the socials, twitter.com forward slash this life, facebook.com forward slash this life, the place, the secret society, the the kind of paranormal X team of the internet is the This Paranormal Life Secret Society on Facebook. That's where all the paranormal news is going down. People are just putting in their own stories, their own experiences, paranormal memes, chatter about each week's episode. That's where it's all going down. I do recommend hitting it up. But for those salty sea dogs who simply can't get enough seafood in the paranormal seafood in their diet, we've got a whole host of volcanic rocks that are bonus episodes. That's right. Chilling over on the This Paranormal Life Patreon. Patreon for the Uninitiated is a platform where independent creators like ourselves that do not have advertising, do not take money from NASA, do not take money from the government, any world government... That's a place where we can finance our projects, much like Ocean Team X, uh, except we dive to the bottom of a different case every week. And for $2 a month, you can get a shout out. $5 a month, you can get access to a whole host of bonus episodes in our back catalog. And above that, we've got t-shirts and stuff. And at the end of every episode, we like to take the time to shout out those who've supported us on Patreon. And that's what we're going to do right now. Let's go. Thank you to Rob Hill. Rob Hill robs pills, but not from a hospital. That's right. This is a regular old Robin Hood. Holy shite. He quite brutally beats up drug dealers, takes their goods. Whoa. uh, But then just sells them himself. Oh. So so it's not, he's still like giving to the poor, but it's like just selling drugs to homeless people. A cartel boss, probably. Yeah. I I think that's what. I shouldn't have led with Robin Hood because Robin Hood, like, quite nobly. Noble characteristics. Yeah. Rob Hill is selling crack to homeless people yeah he's the problem that is the problem yeah but hey some of that money's coming back this way so keep on selling partner thanks also to bianca constance bianca you are a constant joy in my life whoa and i just want to say thank you bianca 
Bianca. Thank you, Bianca. That kind of works. That's pretty good. Thank I'll you, Bianca, it. for being a constant joy in my life. Use the use the last take. That was a better one. <laughs> Thank you, Bianca. Shit, I f***ed it on the last one again. Thanks also to Eric Jarretson. Hey, where does Eric keep his things? I don't know. Jarretson. Keeps oh, everything no. in a jar. It's no. bizarre. <laughs> you d I didn't even... That barely made sense. Jarretson? The problem is that he also keeps things in jars that absolutely should never enter a jar. His cat, when he goes to work, he puts his cat, cat in, in a, a jar. A, quite a large jar. A massive jar. Yeah. Uh, like some kind of old-timey doctor that keeps weird things in jars. Yeah. Eric, some things are good in there, like rice, flour, dry goods in your kitchen. Yeah. Don't keep living things in there. I also saw you keep your jam in a bag. That's the one thing that really should be in a jar. Maybe just do some Googling and then, but keep listening to the show. Google some stuff. You got I some things to work out, buddy. I saw him bringing his lunch to work. It was spaghetti in a knapsack. It was insane. So odd. Thanks also to Moth Haze. Always going towards the light if it isn't Moth Haze. <laughs> flutter, <laughs> no, flutter, it's, it's little not, moth. It's not moth. Here's it's, some it's yarn to nibble. F -F. What? It's not, it's not moth like a moth. It's moth. Like, who's, who's Moth? M-O-F-F. -F. The guy we're shouting out. Moth. Oh. Moth Haze. So this isn't my buddy Moth? No. If he was your buddy, you'd know his name. Oh, yeah, I guess. Well, I, have, I have a friend called Moth Haze. Oh, wait. This guy is a f***ing Moth. I'm looking at his profile Moth picture. the Moth? Oh, my God. Flutter, flutter, little Moth. Coming Thanks towards for listening. the light that is our Patreon, little Moth. Thank you for your support. I don't know what Moth... I don't know what Moths... Uh, really give you know how like bees give honey <laughs> well I don't think they give it but we certainly take it <laughs> for sure yeah I don't know what I can take from a moth yeah all I know well, is I guess I'm taking about five bucks a month <laughs> which is pretty good and all he asks for in return is some clothes to eat <laughs> so thank you for your support moth thanks also to rumple foreskin that is insane what what parents would give their child the name rumple it's ridiculous. Rumple? I mean, the kids are going to be teasing him. He must have been bullied his entire life. Yeah, oh, Rumple. Rumple Jumple. I bet he's begging for the day he can grow up and just become Mr. Foreskin. Absolutely. Leave that dark past behind. Leave those Rumple days behind. And he can just marry someone, start a family, just be Mr. and Mrs. Foreskin with two yeah. little foreskins running around. Perfect. All those horrible Rumple nicknames behind him. Listen, keep listening to the podcast, uh, keep, keep your chin up, Rumple. Yeah. The sun's going to rise. Thanks also to Brooke Martin. Brooke Martin, the broke Martian. That's right, the only extraterrestrial to ever crash to Earth and be so goddamn poor they can't pay their way off this dust ball. They only crashed because they ran out of gas. Space juice. Crashed straight into the White House. Has been working there as a janitor trying to get off this shit planet. Which is ridiculous because those Martian crafts run on basically pure light. You'd have to be trying to crash the bish. Not to mention a single... A single thread of Martian hair is worth a trillion dollars. <laughs> Look, I appreciate that you're giving us this money every month, but if you need to take a couple months off to get some space juice in your spacecraft, be my guest. Be my guest, and then once you get to your home planet, you can send us send us any more. But I guess thank you for the, for the support. Thanks also to Rob Hewick. Rob Hewick, also known as Rob the Snob. Well, well, well. 
If it isn't you, you smug little son of a You're bitch. getting really emotional about this. You come this. into my, my podcast studio, Robert. He didn't come anywhere. The Snobbert. And think you can just turn your little nose up at me? Fine. What did he do? You're watching what he's doing. You're watching what he's... This is what he does. What? He supports comes in, you financially? He co- yeah, he supports, supports your me projects? financially. He pays me a bit of rent money every month. Okay, does he at least, like, lord it over you? Does he, like, no. make fun of you? That's where he, That's what he does. That's what he does. He just gives it. Just get, wouldn't, won't even so say that, a goddamn word. Nice. Doesn't even ask for it back. Does anyone else think he's a snob other than you? Well, he's not paying anyone else. You, yeah. you don't understand, man. You don't understand. He paid for me to go to university. Right. He paid off my car That's loans. Unbelievable. He sends kind. me a little wrap a, well, sandwich for lunch every day. Every day. And he doesn't even say a word. Snobbert. This this guy. You sound ingrateful. This, You're the this ass. Primo dickwad. Okay. That's enough. I won't Take stand for this back. against Rob's name. Take your money back, Snobbert. Wait, I'm actually pretty broke, Snobby. I need, I'm gonna need a bonus this month. So if you could just... So you rely on him, actually. Pretty heavily. Okay. Pretty heavily. Sounds if I could like have, it. I'm gonna need, like, three sandwiches this week as well. Because yeah, I'm burning through them. You said he put you through uni. Didn't you do, like, three different degrees? You three dropped out a bunch degrees, of times. Yeah, and a lot of sandwiches I went through as well while I was there. Because I was... I was borderline selling them at one point. So you were selling, you weren't borderline selling them. Sure, why not? You got me. You happy now, Robert? You've done it again. Uh, I'm going to thank you on Rory's behalf, Robert. You son of a bitch. Thanks also to Maisie Ann Hughes. Maisie Ann Hughes sells crazy van booze. (laughs) What the f*** is van booze? My first question too, my friend, as this rusty-ass ice cream truck pulled out to the front of my house. I said, I'll have a 99, and she said, no, you won't. You'll have van booze. Weirdly, still in a cone, which immediately sogged up, and almost all the, the van booze because sank out the Because it was incredibly bottom. high-proof alcohol, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You kind of have to use the cone as, like, a funnel. And put, she, you put the cone in your mouth, yeah. and she pours the van booze, which in hindsight, I think, was maybe just gasoline, because <laughs> it was just booze for a van. So it was the petrol. She put petrol in an ice cream truck. Jesus. Cone. And yeah. you said it was an ice cream truck, but I think it it looks like more of a van with just a crudely uh, scratched, actually, with a key or something, scratched ice cream cone to the side. Yeah. It was pretty, pretty grisly, but she got my money, and now she's Hell. given that money back, and I appreciate it. I guess business is booming. Uh, thanks, Mizian. Thanks also to Absinthe. I don't know what I'd do without you, Absinthe. Since you came into my life, I've realized that you matter a lot to me. And since then, I never want to let you go, Absence. I'm drunk on you, which is actually quite a I think pretty poetic. I'm drunk on you, Absence. That's a problem. And, and since... You have a problem. Well, it's not, a, it's not a problem if it's a party, all right? And I've been saying that for years. Yeah, you, you call everything a party. You call uh, rehab a party. You've called... It's called prehab. It's the rager before you go to rehab, actually. It's pretty That's dope. not how it works. You don't have a big blowout before rehab. You gotta get that dirty might, before you get clean, you. brother. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Absinthe. Thanks also, William Saunders. They say where William Saunders billions wander. <laughs> this really guy good. is a walking cash machine. Just pissing cash Whoa. wherever he goes. Leaking out of him. It's not even on, like... Like high value stuff. He's not at casinos, yeah. gambling, high stakes. 
He's just buying snacks constantly, just very low expenditure, buying a lottery tickets bizarrely. He already has enough money. Um, just, just sometimes he'll just like a little mouse trail just to li- throw it out, just like, yeah, dish it out, have people following him around in the street. It's like how they say, you know, Bill Gates is so rich that it would cost more money for him to stop and pick up five dollar note on the floor than it would for him to just keep walking this guy this is how you know your next level rich he's shooting five bucks out of every orifice of his body as he walks he's dispensing money as he walks to to use another analogy they say that if a rat doesn't gnaw on something its own teeth will bust (laughs) through its brain killing it Uh, is that true william if he doesn't expel money at an extremely high rate, it will kill him. He will be weighed down, literally six feet under. So thank you for dispensing some of that money into the pockets of the paranormal peasants. Thanks also to Simon La Liberté. Screw Diamond in the Rough. I want Simon in the Rough. He's that one friend that's always going to be there for you when things get hard. When your wife leaves, when the kids are taken from you. You know who you've always got waiting for you? Simon. That's very sweet. Yeah. Although, I would also take a diamond in the rough. Diamonds can get you through some pretty hard times too. Yeah. Maybe Susan wouldn't have left, actually. Maybe the kids wouldn't have turned on Papa if he'd actually found a diamond in the rough. Because the kids hate Simon. (laughs) The kids hate Simon, and Simon's why the wife left. He took your wife? He took my wife and my kids. So you don't want Simon. I want the diamond, actually, Simon. Thanks also to Neil Monday. Call me Auntie Garfield, because I love Monday. Okay. I'm saying I, li- I'm saying I like him. Okay. Not like, because Garfield hates Mondays. That's pretty cool. Call me Auntie Garfield. Fuck lasagna. See, because I'm Auntie Garfield, and he loves lasagna, and he hates Mondays. But that doesn't relate to Neil anymore. Right. Well, I'm just saying, call me Auntie Garfield, because bark, bark. I love Neil Mondays. How's that? Because now I'm a dog, and he was a f- cat are you getting this are you All getting right. the anti-garfield thing thanks neil thanks neil jesus christ you try something and it just you put yourself out there sometimes and nothing they give you nothing back i don't like mondays <laughs> tell me neil thanks also to mike puro mike puro the human churro it was right he got into a gruesome accident at charlie's chocolate factory where his head just freaking dunked into the barrel of molten chocolate he came out cho- chocolate topped but crispy all over so dead <laughs> yeah he was a, he was complete he was almost killed on impact right it's an unbelievably insensitive nickname yeah the human churro is actually it was, it was quite a colorful way of describing what was quite a gruesome accident that closed the factory for years of course yeah <laughs> willy wonka almost went out of business <laughs> Mostly because they shipped the churro. Someone bought the churro. Which is so illegal to do that. To buy a six foot two churro is clearly a man. So I'm sorry, Mike, that you had to go through that. But RIP, big buddy. Or RIC, rest in churro. I hope you're feeling better. I I don't think they let churros into heaven. So (laughs) I hope you're doing all right down there. He's down there in the big old deep fat fryer that is hell. And thanks lastly but not leastly to Joshua Escola. Uh, You know, Joshua Escola is actually the person who Coca-Cola is named after. It was originally called Joshua Escola. Wasn't, let's be honest, wasn't making very many sales. No, that's way too lame. It's not a very catchy name uh, for a delicious beverage. 
But yeah. they, they, they turned out the cola bit was really what was cinching it for people. So they cut off the rest of it. Uh, and then wow. and then they added cocaine. So they added the coca down, down the line. Of course. Uh, and that sales just skyrocketed at that point. Yeah. Um, but Because at the time they were like, no one's going to have ever drink this long a, a bev- like this long named a beverage yeah uh, of course this was years before Dr. Pepper came around where they actually gave a, a drink a profession a title that was weird a PhD which is pretty insane yeah they didn't know that was gonna work they were like they, people wanted to be cool they wanted to have cocaine in it and they wanted to be cola <laughs> es cola it's like 80s everyone's doing cocaine cocaina so we need to have drinks that do cocaine too uh, whereas, yeah, Joshua, it was just a bit too 70s, wasn't it? Yeah, but you can still buy the original retro bottles with the full name on uh, eBay, I believe. Mm. They go for the smooth price of 20 grand. Holy Similar shite. to that of a sea champagne. So uh, an equally rare item. Incredible. And ironically, most of it was dumped at the bottom of the sea <laughs> after the name change. So there's probably a few out there for Ocean Team X to find. That's the shoutouts for this week. If you're still waiting on a shoutout, please do hang in there. We've got a little bit of a backlog as usual, but we are getting there slowly but surely. Thanks for being so patient with us. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We'll be back on Tuesday for a brand new paranormal tale. Bye-bye. Um, and I'm looking on the sky to save me. Looking because I'm dying and trying. I love that song, you can tell. Looking for an underwater <laughs> UFO. Diving cause I'm tired of flying. <laughs> when you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.